Hello and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, I am still Paul Sweeney, co-founder and chief strategy officer here at Webio. And today I am joined by our CEO and co-founder, Cormac O'Neill, and we will be exploring some of the recent news, stories, events, reports, and trends in the credit industry. Cormac, I know it's all go here this week at Webio. I'm just wondering, uh, anything catch your eye this week or want to talk about anything before we kick off? Yes, so it's been a very busy week this week. Um, you know, first week back after the Christmas break was was relatively quiet. Not this week. Everybody is full steam ahead now and everybody's back in the office. So very, very busy week. Um, we got some really good announcements happening uh, in the couple of days ahead that I just won't go into right now. More just to kind of flag that, uh, you know, one of those kind of like watch this basis type thing. Um, so we're going to be announcing uh, something uh, later in the next couple of days, which we believe is very, very exciting and something that we've been working on for quite a while now here at uh, Team Webio. And I think it's going to have a big impact in the industry that we're working on. So we're excited about that. Um, oh, great. Sure. So I can't uh, wait to find out what that is. I know, Paul. I know you can't <laughs> wait to find out what that is. So, uh, but I can't tell you right now. Um, but, uh, you know, as they say, watch this space or listen to this space, whichever it is. Um, and yeah, let's see what comes out in the, the days ahead. Hey, we might even do a special credit shift uh, episode on well, it. Well, you know what, Paul? Let's do that. Let's do that. A, sounds a, like an idea. Follow up on uh, what's about to happen. And uh, yeah, great idea. I like that one. All right, let's dive into the details. In general industry news, latest figures from the Office of National Statistics has shown that GDP in the UK has risen by 0.3% in November of 2023. This is after the October numbers showed a decrease of 0.3%. Retail, car leasing and computer games all had a very good November. Black Friday led to somewhat higher levels of consumption. But the Federation of Small Business is warning that the costs of running a business are way up. A combination of factors is hitting small business with base interest rate rises, sluggish consumption, higher employment costs, and the impending rises in national living wage, all of these piling on the pressure. The British Chamber of Commerce is reporting a rise in business confidence in the final quarter of 2023, with 56% of firms expecting an increase in turnover over the next year. Only 15% of firms are expecting to see their financial position worsen in the year ahead. Around 30% expected to stay the same. In other news, the Financial Conduct Authority has announced it is to begin a study of the motor finance industry amid rising tensions between consumers and lenders in regards to discretionary commission arrangements. Have consumers been unfairly charged inflated prices for loans on new and second-hand cars? Well, the FCA wants to find out. It's a 50 billion a year sector, claims the Guardian newspaper this week. In January 2021, the regulator banned agreements where firms were able to receive commissions linked to the interest rate that customers paid, as that incentivized firms to increase people's costs. So, Cormac, things seem to be kind of leveling out a bit again in the UK, but not really growing or 
Yeah, that's that's what the numbers, I guess, are telling us. Um, so it could be interesting to see whether that trend continues into 2024 and beyond. I'm not so sure, uh, if I'm honest. So, uh, oh, I hope it does. Um, you know, but a lot of the noises you're hearing is the word for a tough 2024. So let's wait and see. Um, yeah, look, at no surprise, small businesses uh, are finding the going tough. Again, you know, we've spoken about this a number of times uh, on this um, on this podcast. So, no real surprise there, I guess. From another thing that's coming down the line, particularly for, for Irish SMEs, is those guys, those companies that want to warehouse their their debt, their um, their taxation debt over over COVID. Uh, you know, that's kind of all coming to an end now, in in uh, the first quarter or second quarter of this year, in terms of repayment bonds being needed. So that's another another hit that's going to happen. I think you know we gotta we we gotta kind of like keep an eye on that one to see what impact that has. It's going to suck more cash flow in a small company's pockets. So yeah, let's keep an eye on that one too. Um, you know, look the car loan industry and what's going on there. You know, um, don't know. Let's 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 keep an eye. Let's you know. Uh, I don't think we, we're, we're going to jump to the judgment on that one. Let's see what comes out of it. Let's see what comes out in your review. Um, and then we can kind of take it from there, you know. That's, can't really say much more on that one. Yeah, I think it's uh, it might be interesting for people in the uh, embedded finance industry to keep an eye on it because, uh, again, just aligning incentives, just making sure that people down the chain are incentivized to provide credit in a responsible way. And I think with consumer duty, uh, that's going to be even uh, a more pressing requirement. All right, moving on. FinTech, buy now, pay later, AI and related news. Uh, it is being reported that the X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, plans to launch a peer-to-peer payments capability this year. Far from being just a peer-to-peer payments capability, though, Musk seems to be signaling that he wants to be the place where people control their entire financial life. Uh, Good luck with that, is my off-the-cuff comment. Uh, Revolut is facing a class action lawsuit in Illinois, USA, alleging the UK fintech giant has unlawfully collected, stored uh, customers' biometric data. Under the USA's Biometric Information Privacy Act, it is alleged that it failed to disclose how the customer's biometric data was collected, stored, and destroyed, or that it had any written consent. Now, how companies store any kind of biometric data is an onboarding in an onboarding process is something that most fintech companies will have to pay special attention to as pressure mounts for companies to move. Uh, towards removing friction from onboarding processes and making conversations and interactions as convenient as possible. Identity is one of those subjects that is going to come under even more pressure as new AI capabilities are released into the wild, potentially exasperating or exasperating an issue called synthetic identity fraud. The Deloitte Center for Financial Services estimates that synthetic identity fraud will generate at least 23 billion in losses by 2030. Personally, I think that my Apple phone holds my Apple Pay and my Apple ID. With new forms of AI being embedded in Apple chips, we might all want to keep a closer eye on how payments and agreements are managed within the mobile experience and through the mobile wallets. 
Speaking of AI, OpenAI launched its ChatGPT store this week. I just typed in how to pick a credit card, and after a few questions, it was recommending the best type of credit card for my circumstances. I even found a UK student loan repayment calculator. I asked it questions in relation to how much I might be repaying, whether it was possible or not to get repayments paused, or who I might talk to if I were in distress. It provided a good list. It's a short step for ChatGPT to add links or even phone numbers so that students might be able to click to call or web chat with these bodies directly. These ChatGPTs are only as good as the data they have access to and the degree to which they are trained. And it is easy enough to see how they could become a new generative search experience and a new type of customer support experience. Just like the iPhone, people thought it was a novel and interesting thing, but they didn't think it would disrupt and destroy BlackBerry. I think such a response would be a mistake, um, but I would think that because of the business that we're in, I think generative AI is going to make a, a big difference to this sector. So Cormac, a uh, couple of linked things there, I believe. Um, companies trying to be more than just payments. Um, companies trying to hold and measure uh, biometric data and the rise of uh, synthetic identity fraud. I think we're maybe seeing a through line there. Yeah, you got a lot going on there, Paul, in in that particular section. Uh, I'm not sure about the peer-to-peer payment on X. I'm not sure um, where that one's going to go. You know, personally, I don't see that as being a runner. But hey, look, who am I to second guess? Mr. Musk on that one. Uh, so, you know, let's keep an eye on it. Um, the Sorry, you were going to say? No, I was just going to say, uh, Cormac, I, I actually got a Revolut card in, in our house um, and the kids got the the minor cards uh, under yeah. the parent accounts. Yeah. And I just got a message from my daughter earlier. She was at Super Value and she was looking to buy a pot noodle. So she texted me, hey, can I get four euros for a pot noodle? I opened the app you know, sent the instant payment to her and she was able to pay for her, her pot noodle. Yeah. And well, that's amazing. So can I just congratulate you now? Because <laughs> what you're going to see is a Houdini act on your money because your money is now going to start rapidly disappearing. Okay, we start with the four euro pot noodles. Next minute you're up to the French connection, um, you know, jumper or skirt for 40 euros. And hey, it's so easy to do. Just, you know, just revolute me. Um, so, because we did the same thing for our 13 year old daughter, and that's the trend that happens. It starts off and it's just four euro. And before you know it, just watch your money disappear. But uh, it's it's actually really good. I listen, I, I jest, but it's actually really good. Um, the the functionality, uh, you know, the junior card and, and all that's around it. It's really, it's really handy. It really is. What it just, in kind of one simple example, shows is the, um, you know, the instant nature of the transfer is really important. Um, the comfort that you're sending from one identity to another because it's a linked account that you know it's going to your daughter's account. And I think that just like my past obsession with um, the Halo app and all the other things that it did outside of, you know, just getting you a cab, it, you know, I think this has the potential to say. Um, like I could set a limit for her and go, you get 10 euro at the beginning of the week and that's the money you have to spend. And if you don't have the money at the end of the week for something that you needed, she can review 
how she spent that money because now she has it on the card. She can actually see in the app how she spent the money. And I, I think that once, again, these things become digital, there's a, a kind of trail of other services that y- you could get from that. Um, and therefore, you know, sending money instantly, I, I think is, I, I think underrated at its, uh, at its best. And I think from some of the conversations we've had earlier on, on Credit Shift, the, the rise of instant payments for everything is just one of those mega trends. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that, um, the, the payment, the touch pay in uh, point of sale equipment before pandemic. I just didn't see the point in it. And yet now I use Apple Pay everywhere I go. I don't carry a wallet anymore because I don't carry a wallet. I don't carry a bag. I mean, it's it's kind of transformed the way I move around in the world. Yeah. Um, all I need is my phone and my coat, right? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, one to keep an eye on, maybe. Yeah, I think it's great because you know, as a parent, and you've you've just outlined a few of the great advantages there, and t- in terms of being able to give your kids, um, you know, money that you can trace where it's being sent. I know this sounds very big brotherish, but you can see where they're spending their money. Um, you know, if you go back to our day when my parents gave me and the, the rare occasions that you got money to, to buy lunch instead of a jam sandwich in your, in your, in your bag, um, you know, that 50 P used to get spent on single cigarettes for five P a cigarette or something, you know, instead of a bag of chips. Mm. So, um, and I'm not encouraging that by the way, any kids listening out there, that was a bad thing to do. Don't do that yourselves. Um, but now you can trace where the money um, is being sent, and you can also get it to them instantly if they're having a problem. You know, yeah. if, they, if they need to pay for a bus or something like that, you can get it to them pretty instantly. So there's a lot to like about it. You know, um, in fairness, uh, it's definitely a good facility to have as, as a parent for sure. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, you know, tying with some of the things we heard last week, just getting payments instantly and. Um, just having visibility on when payments are coming is really important yeah. for, for all these cash flow concerns. Yeah. Oh, okay, moving on to section three, we like to look at a recent report and maybe bring it to you and bring it to your attention and maybe it can help you with your own strategic planning process. Um, this week, it's EY Parthenon Report, Generative AI in Retail and Commercial Banking. So recent research from EI Parthenon reveals how decision makers at retail and commercial banks around the world view the opportunities and challenges of Gen AI, as well as highlighting initial priorities. So specifically, respondents cited three main areas where Gen AI is changing the ways of working at their banks. One, the first one, enabling greater productivity by automating sales-related activities at 66%, enhancing existing technological capabilities at 63%, and accelerating broader innovation at 54%. In shaping their GenAI strategies and plans, banking leaders must recognize GenAI's position alongside Web3, blockchain, quantum computing, and other disruptive technologies. Long-term roadmaps must reflect how these technologies, when deployed in the right combinations, can transform core business functions. For instance, operations, finance, risk, etc. More importantly, they can also open new revenue streams and create entirely new value propositions. The report recommends that banks should reimagine what is possible. 
Customer and client interactions, such as onboarding, account setup, and service activities, could be streamlined and made smarter. Marketing communications and offers could be hyper-personalized. Commercial banks could greatly increase the speed to close in sales processes. Capital markets can make leaps forward in trade execution, processing, security servicing, and risk modeling. So a lot of action work going on there. Investment bankers, analysts, and advisors can be armed with tools allowing them to personalize investment strategies, access transaction risks, and uncover new opportunities. One figure that did leap out to me was that when asked which department across front office do you expect will realize the greatest time and cost savings from implementation, customer service was cited by 64% of the respondents, with onboarding coming in at 49%. So while marketing and sales were also high, they were still only basically half the impact level of customer service. In terms of barriers to adoption, banks see gaps in resourcing for staff uh, Gen AI activities. More than half of the survey respondents said insufficient internal expertise was a top challenge in establishing a dedicated Gen AI team. Economic realities are limiting banks' investment in all technologies, and Gen AI is no exception. More than half of survey respondents cited implementation costs as a challenge when exploring Gen AI initiatives. The aged, heavy, customized technology architectures in many banks today, with all their workarounds and poor data flows, are a barrier to AI implementation. So recognizing these constraints, a significant proportion of the survey respondents said they did not believe their institution had the correct technological infrastructure and capabilities to implement Gen AI. I'm reminded of the old adage, people, process, and technology. We don't have the people for this, our processes are not smooth, and our legacy tech stack won't allow us to move quickly. I think, Cormac, a lot of this will seem very familiar to us. Oh, yeah. Listen, this, again, there's nothing new in this that we don't hear, um, you know, from talking to a lot of our clients and potential clients. Yeah, uh, the, all of the above that you've mentioned there, access to resources, having staff, having that um, bandwidth, having that time um, internally to invest in this. Again, customized um, technology architectures, there for me that's some theme that we hear again and again um you know as being a blocker to implementing this type of technology so look it's it's a trade-off right because there's huge productivity gains to be had from implementing gen ai absolutely you know it's a technology that's going to give time back to all organizations free up time <clears throat> to be spent on, on more value-added activities. So it's a trade-off between, you know, putting that time, effort, and investment into enabling the adoption of this type of technology versus the cost of it. So, uh, look, all I can say is I would encourage enterprises to engage with this sooner rather than later. You're going to have to at some point. I'm, I, I'm seeing a lot of um, other articles and reports around this area with the... Um a senior management and boards really putting pressure on companies to, you know, clarify what they're doing with Gen AI and, you know, to, to really show the path forward. And I think 
you know, this pressure to build an internal AI capability in a company and partnering correctly with the right providers to accelerate your, you know, your, your capabilities and then make that relationship kind of productive and responsible. I think we've seen companies being variously good at partnering with us in terms of being able to get to outcomes. Yeah, yeah, we, we're absolutely, you know. But can I just go back? Sorry, Paul, just to sure. jump back there because I think we we um uh did we mention the uh, you were talking about the Chat GPT store, right? Um, you you mentioned earlier. Sure. I, I jumped I jumped on it myself. Um, and you know it's surprisingly simple to utilize what's in that store to spin up one of your own. Um, I'm not technical and I got a very functional, uh, Webio HR bot up and running very, 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 very quickly. Um, so, you know, I think the barriers to implementation and adoption are speedily coming down. Now, I appreciate there's a lot of other issues around compliance and data and all of the above, mm. but the technical barriers to implementation of some of this technology are dropping rapidly. Um, you know, even the use, I thought the name ChatGPT store, um, I thought was very interesting using the word store there in terms of, look, you know, for me, that just gives an image of a commodity. I just walk in and, you know, I'll have that, please. Thank you very much. You know, so I think even the language that they're using here um, is all geared towards making this simplified and, and you know, almost commoditized, uh, you know, um, so, yeah, I think it's conceptually very similar, obviously, to the Apple store and, you know, the revenues that were resulting for that really leveraged uh, the value of Apple upwards. And I think being a platform leverages the value for OpenAI as a company upwards, whereas if they're a service, um, they they get, you know, lower valuations. So I think that there's a lot of pressure for OpenAI to be a platform. Um, yeah. These particular implementations, the reason I said they reminded me a little bit of the iPhone in the early days, they also remind me of Wix. Uh, you know, anyone can now, you know, or Squarespace, you know, run up a, a pretty basic website. Mm-hmm. But the minute you need to do anything kind of more, you know, subtle or complicated, you need to get your own WordPress and start, sure. you know, start working up on it. And there's companies that offer specific enterprise WordPress um, packages too. So I, I think the space in all aspects of the market for what the Gen AI brings, and that's because it's a transformative technology. Um, and I'm still, you know, I'm I, you know, I'm in conversation with a couple of industry analysts like you know, Brett Kinsella at, at Synthesia. And, you know, the the jury's out on whether or not the Chat GPT store is going to deliver the kind of changes that that OpenAI hope it does. That we've seen various store types, like in in um, in, a, in a, the Amazon environment, not really succeed. Um, without saying the name of the device uh, and waking up everyone's device. Um, so, I, I, Alexa, Paul, is that what you're going to say? Well, if anyone still has it on their desk, it's it's just woken up. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's. Um, it's it's still early days. I I, th- I think the thing I, I still have to keep my eye on is the actual basic core technology itself and how that's advancing. And that seems to be, 
just the more data and the more compute you throw at it, the, the more performative it is. And it's going to come down to, you know, how cost effective it is to do that versus the value you get out of it, um, to put it at its kind of most simple level. So I, I think when we're talking about what we're doing in Webio over the next couple of weeks, um, you know, you'll see some approaches that we've taken to doing this. And I think they'll have... Um, yeah, you certainly will. Yeah, I think they'll have proven to be the right approach. The other thing that, that just from being on the store, which I quote, now I didn't, I didn't dig deep into it to really try and understand, but the pricing model to me wasn't, you know, you, you can't look at it and go, all right, this is going to cost me X to use this, right? So, you know, the pricing model, there's a number of different pricing models there built around tokens, usage of tokens, and then there's a definition for what a token is. And, it was very, at a glance, you cannot understand what this thing is going to cost you if you implement it. So that is something I kind of was looking at going, all right, I'm not sure what that's going to cost if we implemented this at, at, at scale. So, you know, that's something I think they're going to have to get a better handle on, you know, so. It's, it's all about compute costs, but whatever, they, mm-hmm. whatever they're spending to run that query, they're losing money every time they do it still. So, um, you know, that's uh, like a, a Google generative search costs 10x what a Google search costs. Um, okay, folks, that's it for another Credit Shift update. Uh, remember, all the topics and reports we refer to are available in the show notes, and we will post them to our social media as well at webio.com. Finally, I am delighted to say we now have a full roster of interviews set up for Q1 of 2023. And I'm looking forward to bringing you the perspectives from practitioners that might work in different parts of the industry than you, senior operatives from the world of banking and finance that are implementing large-scale AI projects, and people who run the organizations that people in difficulty rely on to guide them out of the financial wilderness. So until then, I hope you uh, subscribe to the Credit Shift on whatever channel or podcast you are listening to it on and we will see you next week for another episode 